huh, we're in it now. We're back. We're in it now. We're in too deep mm. before we even started. <laughs> I'm a little... I know that, like, switching back to the every two week model is, like, it feels like it takes us forever to put out an episode, but, like, the fact that we all found a moment in these last two weeks to sit down with each other is, yeah. like, kind of a fucking miracle. And I yeah. haven't even gone back to work yet. Like, yeah. and Evan and I are both working. I work, like, 30 hours a week, so I'm, yeah. like, I'm... Yeah, here. I just started uh, a new job, so, like, I'm still getting, like, used to, like, my whole schedule and stuff because I used to be a nighttime boy. I'm a morning time boy now. Yes, Isn't the morning shift kind of fun, though? Because then you get off at, like, noon or one or whatever, and you're like, I have the whole day ahead of me. <laughs> I know, like, I, I didn't mind Starbucks early shifts, but because I was a closer, I only ever really did that. But with this store, we close at either 5 p.m. or 3 p.m. So you're either in at 7.30 in the morning or you're in at, like, 9 or 10. So, like, it's been nice being able to, like, still have a whole day ahead of me, but oh my god, am I exhausted from waking up that early. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, same. It'll wipe you out. I understand. Uh, but, yeah, we're back. Uh, we're still in season three. We're very excited to still be in season three. Uh, we've gotten a decent listenership these last couple of weeks. Our numbers are up from what they used Thank to be. you for listening to us. Thank you so- The people love us. The people- They all cheered. Love us. We're no viral sensation, but we love our little group that- No, we have like a- from We like, have a small little group of friends now. Like, it seems like the same people are coming back. We're only on season three. I am manifesting, uh- one of our episodes just goes crazy maybe it's this one the people will love us because they'll be like oh my god they talked about this one maybe it's this one because this episode we're talking about season three episode six cascading failures it's like as sad as it is this is genuinely probably the best other than emily episode of the entire series. This is the best episode. I will put 506 up against it, but I True. pretty much agree. Yeah. Okay. But like and because like Emily's like so many good things, like like we're we're on a we're on a little, you know, cuz it's like this the second to last episode of season 4, which is the best season objectively. Yeah. And then 506 it's like the converging of all the story because 506 is like ultimately all about Ian. Yes, and everybody's like involved so with Ian and that's why it's one of yeah. the greatest. But like Emily's great because there are all these really good storylines going on, like, at the same time. Cascading Failures is great because there's a bunch of different storylines converging now. Yeah, like, the the title of the episode meant something to what was actually happening in the episode. Yes, and then when when they name drop the title and it's like, wow. 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 So, before we get into it, uh, before I even get into, like, when it aired and stuff, I know it spoils what happens later, but we do need to put a trigger warning on this episode. Because this episode, we will discuss sexual assault, the rape of Mickey Milkovich. So, if that kind of discussion about that is not okay for you, just let you know, like, that is going to happen in this um, episode. And what we can do is put um, in the description where we probably start talking about it so people know if they want to still listen to the episode, you can just skip through that part. Yeah, yeah. and if not, I'm yeah. going to say in the episode, like, right before we get there, I have it in the notes to remind you again what we're about to talk about. Awesome. So you can listen to the whole, it's not until, like, way late into the episode, but I will tell you again, like, right before we talk about it. So, yeah. Awesome. Uh, But this is season three, episode six, Cascading Failures. I won't lie. I am, this is one of the ones that when we started the podcast, I'm like, I can't fucking wait until we get to this episode. It's just yeah. so good. It's, it's so such good. a good episode. It aired on February 24th, 2013. It was written by Alex Borstein. Uh, this is 
the last of five shameless episodes Alex wrote. So she went out with cascading failures. She wrote all the best. Bang. She wrote all good ones too. Like it's not even, she's just like, I'm amazing actually. Everything she does. <laughs> yeah. Everything she does, she's amazing. Now my thoughts on this episode are complex going back to watch it because it is really, really good, but there's a lot of storylines that felt like really weird to be existing in the same space with each other and like we'll touch on it but like what happens with mickey and then what's happening with v and her family the scenes happening like right one right after the other felt like really fucking jarring to me and yeah yeah it's there's no warning yeah and like jimmy and fiona because this is kind of like the downfall of jimmy Mm-hmm. Like, like it's the beginning of the downfall of Jimmy. Well, I guess m- maybe more the next episode when when we go to court. But yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> but Alex was also a producer on thirty five episodes of the series through the end of season three. Um, and she was an actress on the marvelous Miss Maisel, won awards for it. Uh, workaholics. She's Lois from Family Guy, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> we love Alex. She's just brilliant and perfect. This episode was directed by Anthony Hemingway. This is the fourth of seven shameless directing credits he has, including Emily. Anthony Hemingway. Anthony Hemingway, bitch. Like, Do you, you remember you... the other episodes? Season two, episode five, Father's Day. Uh, he did The American Dream, episode two of this season, and Cascading Failures. Emily, Crazy Love, uh, season five, episode six. Oh my god, all of your episodes, Amanda. Season six, episode 11, Sleep No More. And season eight, episode two, Where's My Meth? Oh, Where's My Meth is Where, so good. Where's My Meth is such a good episode. He also did uh, one episode of Glee, The Rise and Fall of Sue Sylvester. <gasps> yes, he did. Yes, he did. Um. He, he also directed on American Crime Story, True Blood, Treme, The Newsroom. He is booked and busy and does quality television. He did Emily. He did season five, episode six. And he did Cascading Fucking Failures. <sighs> This man. So this is a dream team. This is Alex Borstein and this director. Like, that's that's why this episode hit so much, because it was written and directed by fucking ballers. Two people who knew what they were doing. <laughs> yeah. The synopsis of this episode. A government agency threatens the cohesion of the Gallagher clan. That's a weird way to say CPS has entered the room. Yeah. Meanwhile, Kev and Veronica recruit V's mother as a surrogate, and Terry catches Mickey and Ian in a compromising situation. Again, we will add a trigger warning right before that scene happens. Yeah, these episode descriptions are always so weird because they come out a couple, like for press reasons, they come out a couple weeks before they actually air. So they don't want to like spoil like what's going to happen because it's like a government agency mm-hmm. oh which one you know because they're yeah. wrapped up in tons of they're wrapped up in tons of different things like that could mean somebody got a like one person got yeah. arrested and is going to jail and but they also forget not two episodes ago we literally watched frank make a cps call too yeah and like i remember but they've also been digging up ginger's bones it could be the police oh, true, true, and the true. fbi and social security yeah we we had episode descriptions like this season come out like four episodes in advance remember when we got all those it was like episodes like seven eight nine and ten and we were just like what What? is going on friends i feel like we keep stalling no i know that's why it's like it has to be intentionally vague (laughs) this is gonna be a hell to edit i'm so sorry okay 
So the previously on was done by Fiona, like she was in the backyard in the last episode holding up Ginger's leg bone. She was very good. <laughs> One of the first Fiona ones we've had in a, in a while. It's been Frank for a while. So previously on Shameless, they had to dig up the yard to find Ginger's body before the city did because they were redoing the water mains. Jimmy has gay daddy issues and Fiona doesn't, doesn't have fucking time to deal with it. She's got shit to do. V, it's really likely V can't get pregnant. So they convinced her mom to be their surrogate. Ian and Mickey finally kissed last week and stole a bunch of shit from Lloyd's house and Mickey got shot in the ass. (laughs) We get a flash of Monica running out on the family again after Frank broke her out of the hospital. Just, I guess, to remind us where Monica is. Frank drunkenly called CPS on the family and CPS in the last week showed up while Mickey was having ass surgery and Fiona was digging up the body in the backyard. And then we go to the title sequence. So we open on Brittany Sturgis, uh, aka, uh, Everybody would know her as Lane Kim from Gilmore Girls. Um, But Brittany Sturgis is the character's name of DFS taking the kids away from the house. Jimmy pulls up as the kids are being loaded out because he's got no fucking idea what was going on. Because last episode, we saw him off with Estefania Mm -hmm. after having sex with Estefania. Yeah, Fiona wasn't listening to him. So he's like, I'm going to go have sex with my wife. So Fiona is reassuring the kids. Like we start off, it's really somber. Fiona's reassuring the kids it's not going to be long that you guys are going to be gone and she asks Brittany she's like who reported us this is crazy who reported us and Brittany's like I'm so sorry by the book she won't tell and she just takes the kids and drives away yeah she's new yeah she's very by the book she's trying to be proper because she's been taught that that's the best way to handle this situation even though it very very much isn't At Sheila's house, she's handing off baby Jaime to Frank as Frank tries to make a break for it because Frank still doesn't know that they found Ginger's bones and he thinks he might (laughs) get arrested. This is my favorite scene. (laughs) Yeah, so he's trying to get the fuck out of there and uh, she's handing over Jaime and she's like, and if you're doing laundry, can you put in some of Jaime's onesies in? Might as well. You both smell like pee-pee. And the good- Doesn't Bill just go, ha-ha-ha? Yeah, he's like deadpan. He's like, ha-ha-ha-ha. And then she's like, ha-ha-ha-ha. It's so funny. It's so good. Like, like honestly, like, there's a block of episodes, like, between this episode, the episode prior, and the next episode, where, like, sh- the Sheila, like, one-liners just, like, they're too, She's going they're crazy too good. With they're too good. Yeah. And especially, like, her Jody stuff. Like, all of Sheila in this, like, block of season three beautiful it is like they really fleshed out her character because karen is gone so there's really no like Mm -hmm. huge reason why we have to be following her storyline but they fleshed out her character so that we would have a so that we would want to follow her yeah and actually be interested in her because she's amazing yeah they pretty much made the jaime and frank connection so that they could just keep referring back to sheila all the time Mm -hmm. which was really nice uh joan and bill they're really funny because it's joan kuzak and william h macy like of course they're hilarious amazing both talented actors given like two different characters on like two different ends of like a spectrum and then just getting (laughs) to see that like they're so good so frank puts the baby down and apologizes for ditching him because he like genuinely does like hanging with jaime he's just like i've got to get the fuck out of town because i might get arrested if they find that body this man just leaves the baby on the bed unattended he likes babies he's just like i have to go 
She's like, I'm busy. <laughs> Sorry. At the Gallagher house, Fiona is, she's cleaning up the mess in the kitchen that comes with, uh, you know, ass surgery and having 12 million kids in the house. When she realizes, oh, fuck, I have work in 10 minutes. And Jimmy is surprisingly helpful. And he's like, I'll take care of it. I'll do the dishes. You just go to work. Because I, I think it's guilt. And I think it's him, like, trying to reel back from the stupid daddy issue shit mm-hmm. he had going on yesterday. Not to sidetrack again, but I'm curious about the timeline. Is this the next day? I think it's the next morning, yeah. I think it has to be the next morning. We're, and they were just like, okay, we'll leave and come back, actually. No, I think it's very much Brittany came in, assessed, saw what was happening, went back, and CPS said, we have, we have to take the kids. Like, I think it was at yeah. least a day. I But I was, like, curious as if she would be like, I'm staying here so that you don't, like, try to make a break for it. I'm calling the van to come get them kids, go pack a bag. And then Mickey's, what, like, ass out on the table, like, sorry, guys, I have to go. Yeah. <laughs> like what? I think we are to be to believe that it's the next day because later in the episode we also hear that Fiona had time to dump Ginger's bones. So I right. think it's been okay, at least yeah. a night since that happened. They probably like did the evaluation and then she was like, I will see you guys tomorrow morning bright and early. And yeah. Fiona was like, Mm, how am I gonna get out of this one? Yeah, but in the CPS van, uh, Lip says this isn't their first time getting scooped up by CPS, and he and Ian give the rundown of what they know, like usually happens. I love this scene. <laughs> Though, like Liam will go to a nice family who's always wanted a baby, and Debbie and Carl will get put together because they like to keep siblings together, and Ian and Lip will get thrown in with some weird foster fam, and they're like, but they know how it's gonna go because they've been through this so many times because the system works super well if they've been through it so many times and nothing has changed. And also, apparently, canonically, the Milkoviches have never been in the system. Except, yes, they have. In season 10, they say they have. Mickey and Sandy going to the to the foster, to family services for a year, but Mandy, surprisingly, has never been in the system. Because yeah. the writers forgot. Yeah, we, like, tried to, like, come up with where Mandy went, like, a couple episodes we tried, back. We tried to make excuses for them when the fact is they just forgot. They, they forgot. just forgot. That's what happens when you just jump writers and don't tell your writers to watch other episodes. Yeah. But Brittany Sturgis tells them, actually, this time's going to be different. They're actually going to place Liam and Carl together, and Debbie is going to be put all by herself in a separate home. And Lip and Ian are now too old to be placed in a foster home. So they're going to a level four group home. What kind of blew my mind about that? Because they weren't... I thought it was level 14. Oh, yeah, level 14, sorry. (laughs) Like, my one thing was, like, really... I was, like, so confused is that because they weren't taken out of, like, a hostile situation created by them, they weren't, like, juveniles, like, they weren't, like, sent to juvie or anything, but to be put in such, like, a strict, like, almost prison-like thing, that's what shocked me. It only made sense to me because Lip is on community service right now. It made sense to me for him to go. Yeah, Lip Lip has priors. But Ian is literally in ROTC, has a regular job, has not been in trouble with the law. Like, why would Ian get put in that place just to keep the siblings together? Like, it's weird. Yeah, Yeah, I mean... They probably figured that because his brother is such a delinquent and they're so close that Ian probably does stuff, he just hasn't been caught, which is true. But it is just like, I I don't know. I mean, they caught this man like in the midst of like a robbery with some surgery going on in the kitchen. They're probably like, true. that's true. I think he should go there. Plus, if he's like ROTC, then he's tough. He can definitely handle it. Yeah. So Fiona, because of the the chaos of the morning gets to work late and goes back to the manager's office and he's like you're late because he's an asshole and she's like can i skip my shift today my kids were literally taken by cps and i need to go find out where the fuck they are and then lena i know you said this is one of your favorite lines from bobby the manager would you look at this 
it pointing to his back. It's filthy. My back is filthy because you haven't washed it. So why should I wash yours? <laughs> I'd hate I hate him, but good line. <laughs> I hate this man, but the character actor who plays him is like so brilliant sometimes. And he tells her, he's like, um, if you can't find coverage for your shift, if you, you can't skip your shift, even though your siblings have just been pulled by DFS, because that's how capitalism works, because workers are disposable and apparently not human fucking beings. You got in a car accident? Cool. So you're going to be late or... You're just gonna be five minutes late to your shift, even though your car just got totaled? That's fine. Yeah, and she's like, you know as well as I do that none of these bitches are gonna cover for me. Yeah, so uh, she's like, she tries to last minute, she's like, I'll still send that video to your wife. And he's like, well, I'll tell DFS you show up to work high every day and steal from the register and all the girls will back me up. And he's like, and I'm gonna need you to quit so that I don't have to pay unemployment because of firing you. It's super he fucked up. He is evil. He's nasty. So now her kids have been taken- because they're her kids. Her kids have been taken and now she doesn't have a job anymore. Super cool. So Lip and Ian get dropped off at the group home uh, and Lip assures the little kids like they they hug all Carl and Debbie and Liam and they're like everything's going to be so fine. Cute. We're going to be back together in a few days. I love when Lip and Ian are big brothers. Like they're mm-hmm. always big, but when they're like get to be big brothers for a minute Oh, it's so uh, good. and that that went away like in like I would say like season seven or eight that that the whole dynamic between all of them like went away where it was like oh my big brother like my big brother Ian my big yeah. brother Lip like my big mm-hmm. strong brother that just like went away it was like this is just some guy I know it's just some it's just some dude I live <laughs> some with some guy you get back to glimpses of it between Liam and Lip and Liam and Ian in seasons ten and eleven like and Carl and Ian like once or twice but it's like. This is just some guy I know. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, they're put in a delinquents and deviants group home. They have to turn over their money and their cell phones. So that's why they put their money in their socks so that they could keep some of it. They're basically, they're getting put into juvie. Like that just like blows my mind. Like you are being taken away from your household. CPS is called not because of you, but because of your home life. And they're like, okay, cool. We're going to go put you in mini prison. Yep. Well, didn't the guy say that they that they could earn their wallets and phones back once yeah. they've acclimated? Because they have to spend a couple days there bef- so they can be like, okay, these guys are going to play by the rules. They can mm-hmm. have their shit back. Yeah. And then at the foster home that Debbie's getting dropped off at, Brittany is interviewing the foster mom. And she's like, I'm actually like a little concerned that you have too many children here already. And like, how can you adequately look after all of them? And in front of Brittany, the foster mom is like, I take in as many kids as you can give me because all kids deserve a loving, beautiful home. And she gives Debbie a hug. And Brittany still isn't convinced. So she goes to Debbie and gives her her card. She's like, if there's any problems, you can reach out to me. Here's my card. And then she like reluctantly leaves. And uh, it turns out her reluctance was right because this woman is a bitch. I think, isn't it Mama also Kamala. super, like, unprofessional? Like, I feel like it definitely is highly illegal to have that many kids when you're not even, like, a certified, like, foster home almost. She's just, like, taking in. No, like... she's a certified foster home. That's why no, DFS she's, is dropping yeah. people off with her. Oh, but true. also it's, like. It's only her. So I feel like that definitely is, like, could be another factor being, like, all of those kids and it's one person. Mm-hmm. One adult. I don't understand why Brittany would be like, I mean, obviously this is like, like it makes sense. But when you really think about it, why she would be like, here's my card with my phone number. Debbie is like 11. How is she going to get a phone? Yeah. Especially yeah. if if Mama Kamala turns out to be a bitch, which she is. There's no way she's going to let her have access to and a And I feel like if you're a social worker and your initial instinct is to not, re- not want to leave that child with that home right away. Maybe, maybe 
walk back out the door with that kid. Yeah. Don't leave I mean, her there. The ultimate message of this episode is the system is broken. Like Yeah. Even even Debbie is like, it's fine. Because Debbie is putting on that like I'll be okay. That Gallagher spirit of like everything's gonna be fine. So Debbie breaks my heart in this episode, Loki. <laughs> yeah. It turns out that this woman, Mama Kamala, total bitch, she takes Britney's card from Debbie immediately, and she takes the like plastic shopping bag that all of Debbie's belongings are in and just takes them from her. And then she's it's a daycare. It's she pretty much gone from what she was doing at her house to just a worse situation doing the same thing. And she goes to mind the kids. And the girl, the one other girl that's like around Debbie's age that's there, it's like, you know, you're never getting your stuff back. And Debbie's like, yeah, no, I know. I'm aware. (laughs) That girl is so cute that she becomes friends with. But meanwhile, Carl and Liam are on the north side being put with an interracial gay couple who always wanted an interracial baby. And they took Carl as a consolation prize. My one thing that kind of pissed me off is literally from the get-go those adults are like we took you in because we had to we're only gonna keep an eye on liam we're gonna get rid of you eventually well they're like oh well if all goes well we'll adopt liam and maybe we'll adopt you too it's like you don't make him feel very wanted yeah (laughs) he does not fucking cassius and linear yeah those fucking names literally gave them the stupidest names i do have beef with like every time that there is a gay character that isn't ian and mickey on the show they're like a stereotypical like limp wrist they make me hate them they're fucking (laughs) annoying but like remember an episode ago when carl was filled with nothing but gay sex questions and now he's been put with a gay couple so he just is continuing with the gay sex questions i love it the kid is like he it's so funny because obviously carl doesn't know like where the line is so like all of the way he just like says everything is so casual and it's just it makes it better because he's just like he's generally a little bit sociopathic like they had they had his character be a little bit like emotionless in the first couple seasons yeah because they were like oh carl's gonna like future serial killer and then that like went away but so it is like he's straight up just like i got no emotion about it yeah tell me the facts right now so over to the dfs office fiona goes to see britney and she's like i would like to know the addresses of where all the kids are and britney's like well you can't have that yet and fiona's like well the old caseworker gave it to me right away so i can make sure they had like clothes and food and stuff and britney's like well she shouldn't have done that fiona's like okay i think you i i know that you think you're doing a good thing here but you're not these kids have a big sister who loves them and i just want to make sure they're okay oh that's how i feel that get, that gets at Brittany and she folds and she tells Fiona that she split the kids up and gives vague information about where they all are, but doesn't give her like any addresses. And Fiona's like, if I can find one family willing to take all the kids, can they be placed together? And Brittany's like, in theory, in theory, yeah. And this is where we remember that V and Kev are ding, ding, ding. certified foster parents. Well... <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> meanwhile the alibi frank is trying uh, to track down like this trucker girl that he knows to try and take him out of town lesbian trucker because he still thinks that the ginger bones are in effect and then we go to v and kev's place they're setting up for a cam show and fiona says she's like dfs took the kids can you talk to your foster lady and see if you can take in all the foster kids and he's like why can't they just release into your care you're 21 now like you you can be their legal guardian and fiona's like yeah but i have to file for guardianship to do that so like they can't just be released to her they have to be released to a foster family first and v's like of course and she's gonna try and take it all the kids she's like i'm gonna be a lone black dot on the map of gallagher ireland (laughs) a map of ireland well and she's like she's like oh five gallagher's in my house it's like you live right next door to the other house 
They can just sleep over. It's not a big deal. They walk into the Gallagher house more than the Gallagher's walk into their house these days, so. So true. <laughs> like, V, she, like, hems and haws about it, but, like, there's no doubt that she's gonna do it. It's like with your best friend. Like, if they ask you to do a thing, you're gonna bitch about it, but, like, of co- you're gonna do it. Of course you're gonna do it. Yeah, you're gonna actively complain, but also be happy to do it for them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then at the group home, uh, Ian asks if Lip's last group home was like this. It's like bunk beds in one big room. It's like juvie. And it literally looks like the prison setup that Fiona was put in. That Fiona was in with all the beds in one room. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And Lip's like, no, this is the last group home I was in was a fucking home. This is juvie. This is ridiculous. And some guys come up and tries to cause issues. They call Ian that chick from Brave. Um, just to put a timestamp on when this was released. Um, that chick from Brave. And <laughs> Lip's such like such a such a dumb ginger joke that they could have do so many other better ginger jokes. Cause like Brave has like long, big hair, but I'm like, he as shaved as head. Well, Cameron is so sensitive about ginger jokes that I'm like, this is his villain origin story. (laughs) (laughs) He had that joke made about him probably for multiple takes and he was like, I'm so mad right now. But they call him that chick from Brave and they're like, what is this, your boyfriend? And Lip's like, no, this is my brother. Here is the money from my sock. Back off and we'll be cool. We don't cause problems. You don't cause problems. Everything's going to be fine. And the guys go away and Ian's like, you're like a fucking cockroach. You're able to live anywhere and feed off of anything. That's what I love about Liv. That's what I love about him. His Frank-like qualities coming through. Like father, like son, man. And Fiona gets home and it's a mess, but it's also like more empty than we've ever seen it. And so I love these moments of like the quiet house of Fiona just going about her business. And she starts to fold the laundry and finds one of Liam's onesies and we get an Emmy Russell (laughs) ugly crying face. The ugly cry. We love an ugly cry. Like, it's so good. I love it so much. I love watching her break down. And she hears the front door open and she calls out, Jimmy? And V goes, darker. (laughs) (laughs) I love her. Especially because, like, V, it's so funny because V and Jimmy beef all the time. V kind of hates him. Yeah. (laughs) She genuinely kind of hates him. I just love this episode is, like, so upsetting. But then little moments like that, I'm like, oh, it's funny, too, though. Jimmy, darker. So V says, she's like, I'm so sorry, Fiona. Like, we're being denied. We can't take the kids in. And then we get a weird, like, foggy flash. Like, it's laggy. They do that again later in the episode, though, when Terry comes in. Yeah, like, they they do that again. But that's more, like, shock. Yeah, this is like a flashback. There's a weird, like, visual fog over it. And it's, a like, the visuals are slowed down and laggy. It's like that one filter on TikTok. (laughs) Yeah. They used to do that in the first season, though, but fucking Andrea. Yeah, her, the, her the white foster, foster agent putting on the black voice. Um, oh my god, she's, and, like, my favorite thing is when she's, like, talking to V and Kevin. V's just like, is your voice dressed up for Halloween? Yeah. <laughs> and so they're being denied because the case with uh, Ethel, they're still being looked into as to, like, why Ethel ran away. So they, they can't take in the Gallagher kids. And Fiona's like, all right, uh, then we need to get the house in shape for inspection and i need to find either monica or frank as a parent to display for the kids like she's going through a checklist she knows how this works now and then at his foster dad's house carl is watching gay porn and gets scolded and brought up on the roof i'm sorry you brought two little kids in your house hide your porn better what do you what do you want hide your porn better yeah all he did was go on the tv if you own porn on vhs that's your fault i don't think it was vhs i legit think it was just like on like on demand 
Oh yeah, because they're rich and they do, and they do like on demand. But like, stuff. if you're bringing in little children, put a child lock on your shit. This feels like a you problem. Hide your shit better. Yeah. Plus, it's like, what's the? I mean, he obviously knows what sex is. Yeah. He's like looking at it, like mouth open, like squinty eyed, just like yeah, watching it, like, huh? My favorite thing is when he asked his foster friend, he was like, does poop get stuck on the tip of your dick? Yeah. <laughs> Just asking gay sex questions over dinner on the roof. And then at the Gallagher house, Fiona, she's going through everybody's rooms looking for contraband. She's looking for drugs, porn, weapons, anything that would be a no-no on an inspection. And then we get like a, a speed through, like we stay in one room and we just watch her clean the whole house. They're just showing us that she cleaned everywhere and they just didn't want to waste time. They To film that, though, they had to have Emmy clean the house for real. Yeah. That is so embarrassing. And you know, like, sped up stuff, like, that was at least, like, a, a good 20 minutes, while. Like that. Yeah. 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 That's so embarrassing. Jimmy comes in saying he filled the hole. Jimmy filled in the holes in the backyard. So we get, like, a little off screen, just a little acknowledgement that the yard is fixed up. And he, oh, look, Jimmy being helpful. Yeah, Jimmy doing actual labor for once. <laughs> Fiona calls Monica's mom, her grandma, to ask where she is. And she pretty much has to remind her grandma who she even fucking was. No dice, no Monica, no location. Monica's out of the question. So Fiona's like, well, then God damn it, I have to find Frank. And Jimmy offers to help. And then somehow Fiona is the one apologizing for the way she acted about Jimmy's gay dad thing. I don't think he made her apologize, though. I think she literally was just like, I feel bad about this, actually, about the way things happened. Like, because it's like, because then Jimmy's like, no, I'm sorry. Like, Yeah, because like, she obviously, she like probably feels bad for more so just like screaming and creating a scene. What she said to him. But not like how she doesn't give a shit about his gay dad, because enough yeah but to his credit jimmy at least admits that he's got to suck it up and move on and then he's like hey bright side the house is empty we're both home like he tries to cheer her up and she's like "Mm, not not the time my guy it is not it's not the time wow thank you so much that estefania sex totally put him in the mood no it's so funny because it's like characters on shameless are so famous for having sex in weird situations when it's like not really appropriate either like it's like you shouldn't be horny right now. Yeah. But then the one time where it's like, you would totally expect her to do that. She's like, I'm not horny. (laughs) Yeah. And then at the group home, Ian keeps getting picked on by that one kid that seems to have an issue with him. Maybe he's a little, you know. (laughs) For everyone who obviously can't see our recording right now, we we all limp wrist. (laughs) (laughs) You know, maybe he's got a little crush on Ian. But at the group home, he keeps getting picked on. uh, But Ian has proof of employment for the cash and grab. So his proof of employment means he he gets to leave the group home and go to work. And Lip still has community service hours to fulfill. So he gets to leave to go do those. And the guy who runs the home thinks Lip is arrogant and thinks that Lip thinks he's better than everyone else he does um yeah duh <laughs> and wasted lip, potential lip brushes the guy off lip is not taking any of it seriously but ian is like clearly upset and does not like being there and is not vibing with that place and needs to get the fuck out of there yeah that guy is also just like i understand like because they're in that situation the guy has to be pretty tough to like talk to the other boys and stuff like that but like he's just like so nasty towards them when they're just like talking at the dinner table obviously they're Dude. giving him shit back yeah but like it's just like he's so like all up in their faces and i'm like those well, yeah. boys what did, what did they do yeah. ian though is just like i'm sensitive <laughs> <laughs> i'm sensitive i don't like when people are mean to me actually and lip is like mm, i'll be mean right back 
Uh, but meanwhile, Kevin V, they're at the alibi, they're restocking, they're putting the new kegs up and everything. And Kev is like, Ethel fucked up our kid credit. And V's like, maybe it's a sign we need to step it up in the surrogate department. And they like talk about trying with her mom again and find Frank asleep in the stock room because he had made a deal to leave the next morning with his trucker friend. And of course, Fiona knows exactly where to find Frank. She comes into the alibi. He's like taking a swig from a pint. She takes it out of his hand and puts it down. She's like, and you're on the wagon because you. You need to help get the kids back. He's like screaming at her when she takes it. <laughs> yeah. And Frank's like, I need to get the fuck out of town because of Ginger's bones. And Fiona's like, I found Ginger's bones. I threw them away. And now you need to help me. Yeah. She's like, congratulations. Ginger died. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where are getting the house? So she threatens to rat him out anyway. She's like, yeah, I dumped him, but I know where the fuck they are. And every time Emmy and, and Bill get to just like scream at each other. Love it. Great energy. Dinner. Yeah. Because she like throws a bar stool. She's like, God damn. Damn it, I need you right now. She gets so mad. It's so funny when he's trying to leave and Jimmy takes the bag from him. He's like, that looks heavy. Do you want me to carry it for you? <laughs> Another thing, I th- I think we, I don't remember when this scene was, but when he actually sits down and talks to the trucker woman that he's going to go with. That was a couple scenes prior to this. And she goes, what do you want, Frank? And he goes, the same thing as you, free pussy and a life on the road. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> classic king shit the ally we need very butch very lesbian truck driver it's great smoking a cigarette just being like what do you want frank so frank because he always has an air of superiority about him sees fit to set conditions on helping get the kids back and he's like i will help you if i get free roam of my own house and she's like you know what fuck it whatever just come with me and help me didn't they establish later that he actually forgot that he was the one who called i don't know they don't address they don't address that call until the end of this episode but i think in the next episode she's like you did it and he's like what the fuck are you talking about like no i didn't like and and it's like he blacked out or something like he doesn't remember he was too drunk yeah it's hard to especially with like the writing and how frankie is it's so hard because it could honestly be played as either or like he's just intentionally denying it so he makes himself look better versus him blacking out and forgetting he did it when he was drunk because obviously he was at the alibi and drinking but who knows because it's frank he does whatever uh whatever like goes for him is what he'll say (laughs) yeah so she convinces him to come with her to visit Lip and Ian at the foster at the foster home. And meanwhile, Carl is stealing shit from his foster dads, putting it in like a shoebox and stealing shit while Liam's sitting on the bed. And Carl's like, Don't worry, Liam, we'll be out of here as soon as possible. And until then, I'm gonna steal all of their shit. I'm like, good for you. Uh, because these guys are assholes. Steal their shit. Good for you. So Fiona meets Ian and Lip on their way out for the day. And she gives him a hug and she lets them know everything's going on. They let her know everything that's going on. And Lip's like, don't worry about us. We're fine. Worry about the smaller kids. Like, we're good here. They have such a sweet moment when they, like, when they, like, hug her when they first see her. They're so excited to see her. (laughs) It's literally been a day, but it's so sweet. And then later, later when they hug her again and and Frank goes, where's my hug? And they both flip him off. Yeah. (laughs) And she's got that, like, proud mom smile on her face. Oh, so cute. But yeah, they're like, don't worry about us. Like, they're very much not fine, but they're like, we're we're the big kids. Don't fuck. Don't worry about us. Get get to the little yeah. kids. Everything's they'll be, be okay. fine. Yeah. Like, they'll be fine. They can get around. Lip is a fucking cockroach. They'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. You know who isn't fine? Uh, Debbie, who is running yet another daycare with her fellow foster oh, kids. Poor girl. I hate Debbie. We literally just get a scene of her like serving up mac and cheese. Like just. It's it's not even like mac and cheese. It's like gruel. It's literally it's just like slop. It's something. And then they're like, grab a cup of Kool-Aid from the table. And I like. And also the weird the thing tickets. is like this. 
season three was kind of interesting because Emma was growing up a little bit, so her voice is like really raspy. And yeah, it's like, she oh, sounds like a Emma. smoker. <laughs> yeah. yeah, oh, Emma. <laughs> uh, but you know who is fine? Uh, shut up. Noel looks good in his vest. Shut up. He's good. <laughs> he does. He looks. His arms are rippling. Like you know, he's like. He and Ian restocking the cash and grab, doing their jobs, have a little chit chat. And Ian's talking about the group home. He's like, there's no fucking privacy. And Mickey's like, I cannot even imagine the kind of pussy you would be in Juvie. And He's sensitive. <laughs> <laughs> He's sensitive. And then Mickey very curiously asks, you fuck anyone in there yet? And Ian's like, no. And he's like, good. It probably just a trick to see if you would. And then you're fucked over and not in a good way. I'm like, yeah. But also since Ian is a top... Don't, like, juvie rules apply where it's, like, if you're not taking in the ass, like, you're the man, quote-unquote. Like, yeah, it's, like, you're real, not. Because the, then, then if yeah. they're, like, you want to fuck, it's, like, if you're the top, it's, quote-unquote, more about, like, oh, just getting off, not really. Because then Mickey, he's, like, yeah, I fuck people in juvie, but, like, I topped, I don't bottom in yeah. juvie because then I'm somebody's bitch. But, like, he clearly only asked because he's a jealous little asshole. Because they're yeah. literally boyfriends. Guys, they are literally in love. I love when they, like, throw the can back and forth at each other. It's so cute. And then he gets all nervous and he, like, looks down while he's, like, restocking the watermelons or whatever. And he's like, you know, my dad's on a run out of town for a couple of days. You want to ditch that dump and crash at my place? That'd be cool. And Ian's like, was I just invited to a sleepover? He goes, fuck you. That's what you were invited to. <laughs> and then he, wa- he walks away and Ian's like... <laughs> he's all like, pleased with himself <laughs> for the record everybody i did not write any of those lines in our notes we just know them <laughs> <laughs> yeah we just know them <laughs> fuck you that's what you were invited to they are literally in love with each other they're actually. in love with each other and they're giggly and they're cute and i love them because this is when they're best friends this is like the moment where they're best friends but also they are crossing that threshold now because they've opened up the kissing the, the kissing floor. And so I'm like, I very much wonder what happened that night. Like, what were they doing? Were they just like, because they were like, oh, we kissed once. That's enough. They fully made out. They fully made out while yeah. that Steven Seagal movie was them. on. Yeah. Good for them. Mickey on top, though, because his butt hurt. So he probably couldn't lay down. I mean, they were walking around naked the next day, so it's like, they obviously were like, His they were literally like, we are fucking nonstop, yeah. and just not even bothering to get dressed, because they were like, we know we're going to do it again. And good for them. Can you imagine what the world would be like if this episode didn't end the way it does? Like, the the Mickey we could have had so much sooner. God. But But before we get I, to yeah, that, before we get whatever. to that. It's whatever. I, okay, can I say something, like, kind of off topic? I honestly do not think they would have ended up together had some of the things that drove them apart not happened. Yeah, if they they had to fight for each other. It was all about the fact that they had to fight for each other. And so they were like kind of trauma bonded in that way. Like, yes, they click in general because they're both from the same neighborhood. They have a lot in common. They have like very similar personalities. They like like, had to actively choose each other over and over and over again. Yes, I think if they were never driven apart, they would have ended up just breaking up like later on when things got easier for them. Yeah. Because it was like almost there was nothing to fight for in that circumstance. They were given too many, They were, yeah, they were given too many things that it was like, yeah. die or Mickey. And they're like, maybe I'm going to go with the option number two. Door number two, please. They had to be shown how shitty it was without each other and to not have the other person to realize like, oh, fuck, I actually really need him back. Especially when mm. they're forced apart. Yeah. yeah. Over at V's house, Carl and Liam ran away from their foster parents. Uh, Carl. Freaking, the fact that Carl was able to get that little baby out yeah. without anyone noticing. He probably was just like, I'm leaving. And they were like, all wrapped up in like, whatever rich people think about. And they were like, okay. Yeah. Bye. 
but they they ran away and they run into V and Carl's like they're gonna try to keep Liam like I I, I had to get us the fuck out of there and V's like okay I know what it's like when a foster kid runs away it's not okay you actually need to get back and if you don't want them to keep Liam you gotta make sure they have no reason to keep him and yeah okay I'll keep your stolen box of shit at my house I guess that line though from V like I feel like it wasn't taken as like to heart as like I guess because it wasn't told to like the right person because obviously it was like little baby Carl like imagine like how it feels to have like your fucking foster kid run away like I was well because she actually really started to care about Ethel like they like I think had Ethel not run away they probably would have ended up keeping her yeah I agree because they did have a couple conversations about it yeah and like you can obviously afterwards when she leaves like V put up a front she was like I actually really loved her yeah. and I miss her and I'm sad getting back to the episode uh, we love a legend who writes herself apart in the episode Alex Borstein is back playing Frank's lawyer she's like I'm writing the episode I'm gonna be in the fucking episode she whenever she's in the episode it just adds something to it and I love she it. is super pregnant because for a while she was one of those women that was pregnant just all the time um but yeah she wrote herself into the episode she's super pregnant but the character she's like it's not mine so it's like the lawyer is a surrogate too still in that super cramped office no dogs this time though fiona and jimmy are there too frank's like hello i need your help getting my children back and she's like and the catch is like i have no money and no chance of getting any anytime soon (laughs) and she's like i guess i'll help you yeah it's funny i feel like doesn't frank make another comment about jimmy being like super feminine because he's like because she goes who's this and he goes my daughter and her girlfriend yeah uh lesbian and fiona lesbian fiona rise yes and like yeah alex borstein's character she's like all right i'm not getting paid but like yeah i will help you get your kids back and uh she says like we need to find monica because dfs is more likely to give the kids back if there are two parents and they're like you can't find monica figure something out i love how she whenever she's has her scenes she's always eating something too she's like eating like a candy bar <laughs> she's hungry. or like doing something She's pregnant and she's hungry. And like, she just immediately agrees, even though she's not going to get paid. And she's like, all right, here are the steps. You need to find Monica. Can't find Monica. Figure something out. Stay sober. Not even a poppy seed bagel. I need your piss clean and your eyes white. I'm like, okay. Yeah, she gets it down to the point and she's like, boom. And then we go to Lip, who is doing his community service. He's scrubbing graffiti. Uh, when Mandy comes up saying Ian found a public phone and called her. So she tracked Lip down. She's like, you couldn't even fucking call me. And tell me that you got removed. She was like, I walked around the city all day looking for you. And I was like, girl. Girl, you're down bad. Well, and he's like, he's like, sorry, they took my phone. She's like, Ian managed. Yeah. Found a public phone. It's like, okay, Ian is built different. Okay, sorry. Lip was sent immediately to community service. He wasn't like, let me call my girlfriend. Yeah, it wasn't like he was being watched by people. But then we get a verbal version of the end of Molly's storyline. Like, Mandy's like, Molly's mom showed up. She wasn't actually dead. And, like, that was a scene that they shot and is a deleted scene. But it's Molly's mom shows up at the Gallagher house and Molly, like, runs away. But it's because her mom was, like, that That was a scene that happened that they just explain in this thing. They're like, Molly's mom showed up. She was never actually dead. She was just a runner. And Lip's like, you let her go back with her mom? And then he's like, I'm sorry, was I supposed to stop her? Like, what the fuck did you want from me? Liv just wanted to play daddy. And also, I feel like it's just a weird situation because they're like, she ran away. There had to be a reason. But Mandy's like, I gave Mickey the house for the weekend. Uh, do you want to crash with me somewhere? Because uh, we could find somewhere to crash. And he's like, no, no, she asks him, can I crash with you? And he's like, I'm literally in a group home. He's I'm- like, I'm literally in a group home. And then that whole like... 
But then they're like, he's like, I could try to sneak you into the group home. How did that conversation even go? Was Mickey like already thinking about it? He's like, I want the house for the weekend alone. Yeah, probably. And she was like, why? And he was like, "Mm, you don't need to know. Yeah. You don't need to know what I do by myself. By myself. She probably knows at this point not to ask her brothers any questions. She's like, fucking fine. I'll get out of the house. Fair. Well, because she has no possible inkling. And I feel like the Milkovich siblings probably caught on the fact that Mickey was seeing somebody, but they probably thought it was a girl. But they were, but because she has no inkling at all that he's gay and seeing Ian. I have it in my brain that uh, Mickey and Angie Zago are actually really good friends. And whenever anybody asks uh, who Mickey's sleeping with, or if they ask her if he's sleeping with her, she just says yes without any questions. Just like Ian and Mandy. <laughs> well, and then like when the weird thing, like in episode three, when he was like, did you really fuck Angie? I kind of have it in my brain that he didn't. He just went over and just sat there and was no, like, No, I agree. Hey. I this drink some beers. Or he, like, couldn't get hard or something, and so he was like, um, I'm going home, actually. I think Angie was secretly his bestie, and they just kept each other's secrets. That's what I'd choose. That's what i choose to have in my head. Mm-hmm. I love a complex backstory for Mickey. That obviously doesn't exist. That the writers don't give us. And then at the ball house, uh, they're going over the foods that increase sperm count, and they're trying to think up a better way to get her mom pregnant than the, than the turkey baster. And Kev's like, squirt gun. Silly straw. <laughs> I, the squirt gun part. <laughs> this is like peak Kev being an idiot. Yeah. Because it's like, mm-hmm. it's, it's, that's, it, this is the same season that gave us Circle Doesn't Start With an Circle S, what the fuck? An S, what yeah. The fuck? And also, cat, I know that shit, bitch, that's a cat. Back at the group home, the roll call happens uh, before bed, and then Lip and Ian pay some guys off, and they sneak Ian out and Mandy in. And then Lip picks a lock in some private room and they fuck in a private room. It literally looks like a confession room. <laughs> it's like terrifying. That's what I was going to say. It looks like a confession booth. It might be a confession. Because you know, like a government, government mandated housing and shit and like all this stuff always is like slightly Christian. They always got the scary religious. Yeah. Lip and Mandy are fucking. And then at the Milkovich house, Ian and Mickey are on a date. Mickey is pulling pizza rolls out of the oven and they're arguing about who's more badass, Seagal or Van Damme. And then Ian says, that's some Van Double Damme. Van Double Damme. And he does that Van thing with his arm. Well, and uh, it's like... Beers in hand, cigarette in mouth. Ooh. For pe- and they sit next to each other and they're like a, like a foot apart from each other on the couch and they keep giving each other cute little looks when the movie starts up. They're looking at each other when the other one isn't looking and you know they both know. Uh, for people to say like Ian and Mickey are the couple that has the most sex on the show blah 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 and it's like Lip and Mandy are literally having sex Ian, Ian and Mickey are just like on a date hanging out. Yeah. They are just hanging out. Because they're best friends. Like, they're a couple, but they're best friends. Like, yes, they have a lot of sex, but also they're best friends with each other. So. Yeah. Because Lippin, like, Lippin, um, Mandy's, like, relationship was basically, like, built on just, like, fucking. Fucking. And never got to that emotional level. But me and Mickey, like, they had too many things that, like, turned into being, like, actually, wait, guys, we are friends. We don't need to just only and not hate yeah. each other well yeah because it was because it was like lip and mandy was like sex immediately no strings attached and then suddenly it was like okay now we're in a committed re- now we're ghetto married actually yeah like it feels yeah. like they went from zero to 100 very quickly on that because they first had sex together in season two and then seemingly they did it a couple more times but ian and mickey yeah. were like like it's weird to call ian and mickey a slow burn because they they were just together the whole time but like they kind of were also a slow burn they like built it up really slowly and beautifully in the relationship yeah. theirs was like no strings attached 
or like just random, like kind of out of nowhere. And then it was friends with benefits. And then it was best friends with benefits. And then it was like, we are very committed to each other. Starting with at last came a knock. Starting with Monica is back. I need you. That was the beginning of it. That was the beginning of something real. I agree. That's what that, yeah, because then they tried to play it off as like friends with benefits, but it's like, no, no, no. <laughs> Guys. <laughs> no, he needed the comfort. Like even after that, like when Mickey went right to Juvie, Ian checked in with him, made sure his commissary was full, talked to him afterwards. They met up immediately, got him a job. Like they had been bonding that whole time. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And like in season two, it's like they ended on bad terms, but then at the beginning of season three, it, it's implied that Ian talked to Mickey and they sorted it out because he's like, I have a boyfriend. Yeah. Like, I sort of have a boyfriend. And then immediately when they met up, like when Mickey got out, they were like, we are, and we are back together. Like nothing happened. Like, it's just like, it, mm-hmm. like they talk to each other and we never get any mention of it. And we never get to see it because they never talk to other characters about their relationship because it's a secret. And it's like, so now I have to connect all these dots in my head. Yeah. But like, <laughs> and make up scene, stuff that doesn't exist. I love this scene so much. And I love to imagine what their beautiful date night was like. And wouldn't it be great if their part of the episode ended right here? Wouldn't that be awesome? That'd be, that'd be wonderful. Right after the Benoit beads are yeah. shown, that's when the episode ends. Yeah. But before we get to that, we're back at V's house. So she's trying to talk Kev into fucking her mom. And they're both like, are you out of your fucking mind? I love the, the, the zoom it's in. The immediate cut. the immediate cut to, are you out of your fucking mind? She goes, Kev's just gonna lie down to you for procreation. And V's like, I want more than anything to give you a child. And apparently I can't. So I need you to fuck my mom so I can give you a child. <laughs> uh, love Speaking of fucking moms, Jody is installing a light and uh, says it's super hot. Um, again, I just finished Black Sails and I am obsessed with Zach McGowan at the moment. Like, I'm, I'm begging you all to watch that fucking show. Um, but Jody is installing a light. He's like, it's super hot up here. And Sheila's like, well, that's because he rises. Like, I think because Jaime's in the room too. <laughs> and then Jody says, well, then how come space is so cold? <laughs> Valid question. You see Sheila look up and like have like a, huh. And also I love this scene because in the middle of this conversation when Jody's installing the light, he gets like electrocuted like while he's doing Does he go it. Like- and he's like, Ugh. <laughs> And then he's just like, okay. And then goes back to normal. There's like no mention of it. You just watch this bitch get elected. Zach McGowan was like, I'm doing improv. (laughs) (laughs) I'm improving. Like him and Sheila, honestly, they bounce so well. It's so good. They were really, they had a lot of like fun chemistry. Like, like I did not like them as a couple. But like I, I felt no like love chemistry. I was I, no love chemistry, but very good familial chemistry, which is why it was good that he yeah. did end yeah. up with Karen in the end. But like mm-hmm. it's it's just Zach and Joan just like working really well together, and like I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're just having fun. Jody, like don't ever change, you beautiful, respectful, sexy himbo. Like I love you, sir. Um, and then there's a knock at the door, and it's Frank, and Jody is furious because the last time they saw Frank, he left Jaime alone in the house while Sheila was at therapy, and he like fights his way in, and even Sheila's like, get the fuck, get the fuck out of the house. But Fiona's like, hey, wait, listen, wait, listen, this is not for Frank. This is for this is for the kids. We need your help to get the kids back. And Jody says, "I think you should do it, Shelly Bear." Shut the fuck up, Jody. (laughs) Calls her Shelly Bear. It's so cute. It's what she deserves. But Fiona lays it on thick. She's like, "It's for Debbie. It's for Carl. We need your help." 
I'm like, it's for Liam. How how was Sheila ever going to say no to that? She was never going to say no to that. Uh, back at the ball house, Veronica's mom is getting absolutely plastered to be able to get through sex with Kev. And Kev is trying to make it like really dark in the room to make it less weird. But there is no making it less weird. And then over at the Gallagher house, Fiona asks Jimmy to help her with Frank while she runs errands for the kids. And Debbie, meanwhile, is sneaking her foster mom's phone to text Fiona the address of where she is. Like, this is just a lot of jump cutting to different situations. So, like, Debbie sneaks her foster mom's phone, sends Fiona the address, and then, like, deletes the conversation from her foster mom's phone. Ugh, smart little girl. That, like, iPhone 4, like, green bubble gray <laughs> the, the little box. Uh, at DFS, Sheila has a wig on a blonde wig on she's posing as monica like they zoom in from like a picture of the monica she does. it's a picture of monica that they tilt up to to sheila and she's like it's been a while since i got my picture and frank's like we had a bad batch of meth you know what that does she lost a bunch of weight and that's why her face looks a little aren't different. they wearing the same outfit in, in the, the photo as she is in in real life yeah yeah she's like um i only have two articles of clothing but like and they explain it the way they're like it was a bad batch of meth uh she lost a lot of weight she's doing better now though look check her out so they say Br- Brittany is convinced and says that frank and monica need to take parenting classes before they can get the kids back and sheila kind of likes the idea of taking a parenting class because she's like maybe that can help me realize what wrong went wrong with karen and i was like yeah she's still reeling from losing karen but it's yeah. like sheila you like I I feel bad. I I did like the end of their storyline when when they have that conversation before Karen goes out to meet Lip and she's like, "I'm sorry that my I have mental illness and that I couldn't get my meds balanced." And Karen just has to be like, "It's okay. Like I can't hold it against you." But she was like, "Maybe if I was like different, she wouldn't have been so evil." And it's like she wasn't evil. I don't think Karen was. I think Karen genuinely only did like maybe two things actually wrong, and other characters have done way worse shit that we've forgiven them for. Yeah. I really like Karen, guys. I don't. <laughs> I genuinely blame the things that fucked Karen up and made Karen the way she was on Eddie. Like, yeah some of Sheila's mental health issues surely affected she- uh, Karen, but, like, Sheila did nothing but try her best for that kid. But it's also, like, everybody yeah. sides with Lip and this whole Lip versus Karen shit, and it's like, Lip was a fucking asshole, too. Like, oh, he yeah. is oh, yeah. evil. Like, so I, and we've forgiven <laughs> him for, we've forgiven him for doing more heinous things than whatever Karen did him. I think she's got major daddy issues, and I think she was she was good mm-hmm. to the people that mattered because she was the best for Sheila. She was she supported her so much. Like the way she treated him fucked up the way he views relationships forever. And the way he treated her fucked up the way she views relationships forever. Like they fucked each other up. And everybody just like yeah. villainizes her. And it's like, guys, Lip was evil too. Yeah. They were just toxic for each other. But all those all those other characters being like, Karen screwed you up. Like, I don't know, Lip, maybe if you like were better in touch with your feelings, you would do better. Yep. So after that long tangent, we're sorry. I we literally just keep finding reasons to not get to the end of this episode. At this point, it's unintentional. <laughs> so uh we're joining Fiona. She stops at Debbie's foster home to see if Debbie is doing all right. And Debbie puts on the brave face, the like, fuck you, I'm a Gallagher face. And she plays the whole situation down. She's like, it's not that bad. Everything's fine. They sit on the porch. Fiona's like, I brought you books and clothes and this bag of Hershey's kisses. They were like gold last time I was in a foster home. Mm. And she puts 
Debbie puts a little Hershey's kiss on Fiona's knee, and they, like, sit with each other and eat Hershey kisses on the porch. That scene when Debbie just, like, gives it to her, I'm just like, ow. Before she was so mean and evil to Fiona, like, all the time. I hate Fiona, I hate Fiona, I hate Fiona. And then asks Fiona for everything. There's sweet little, like, it's just a, it's, it's sweet little sister time, and it's really cute. Um, at the group home, Ian covers, or Lip covers for Ian, it's the next morning, and it's, like, breakfast time, and the, the guy comes over with Ian's papers, he's like, where the fuck is Ian? And Lip's like, you know, when you feed us garbage, it turns out our bodies hate it, so he is in the bathroom with diarrhea right now, you want me to go get him? And the guy's like, get, give him his papers, I need to see him at Lights Out. It's like, okay, hey, okay, sir. So Lip just, good, they had that cover story ready to go. He is not in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, he is, in fact, at the Milkovich house, but before we get there- Liam is drawing all over his foster dad's wall. Just And Carl's like, yeah, that's right. Draw all over that place. And Carl is pissing on the chairs in the dining room. <laughs> this and, is pretty genius of him, though. Yeah, because he took what V said to Hardy's like, give them reasons not to want to keep him. And so Fiona comes to visit the boys and she asks how the boy. I don't know how she found out where they are. V, probably. But she asks how the boys are doing. So there's a moment where she she's holding Liam and the guys are like talking to her. And Liam grabs her face. Like, it was totally on accident. It's just like a, the baby was grabbing Fiona's face. And she... She's like, we're gonna take care of the spinning arms. We gotta watch out for the spinning arm. And like it's because of the so, wacky law. Because they're like, oh yeah, we give him a bat. Like we give him a bat. Or he's talking about the bidet in the bathroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she's like, oh yeah, we use a lawn sprinkler for that in the summer. And she's like, but we gotta watch out for the spinning arms. And, and he like, like mm-hmm. squeezes her cheeks. It's my I love that no one else in the scene like broke and was like, oh, I'm glad that the rest of the people in the scene kept going because it, then that scene just kept on flowing. And it was so good because I love when like because the little babies never yeah. know, like you can't control them. I My favorite thing was when, when they just work through things with the babies, when they just keep going through so the scene, good. it makes it feel more real. And like and that yeah. that's probably one of my favorite like most referenced Fiona Liam moments is like him grabbing her favorite mm-hmm. and her. Oh, it's so cute. And like you could tell it's a comfortable with him with them too and like she feels like his big sister in that moment it's so cute and that baby probably loved all the all those kids so much so the foster dads have already filed paperwork to adopt liam they've been fostering him for one day how is that possible it's also them being like we really wanted a mixed race baby how are they able like especially being put in the system that fast are they able to get adopted out without their legal guardian still having time to go in and yeah like claim them quote unquote they said that they they said that they filed the paperwork but obviously it's like the state's gonna wait until the legal guardian gets their shit together maybe or because it's like i feel like in that instance it's either like there's a there's a time that they have to max out or the guardian's like okay i'm signing over rights yeah it's also just an unrealistic portion of the show like that we forgive but carl carl blames the mess he goes to sit on the seat he's like the seat's wet liam did you pee on the seat and then they see the wall and of course the gay dads are stereotypically like (gasps) my walls and like they freak out about the the like color on the wall the, like the paint the color is some like stupid like prissy name yeah, it's too. literally paint you can paint over it yeah and then like within that like when they're worrying about the wall there's another great liam and fiona moment of uh, liam's like pointing to the mess and she's like did you do that did you do that oh no like it's and he's like yeah and she's like what? like it's definitely not scripted they just <laughs> pointed the camera at her and let it go and like oh it's cute it's so cute So we soak in that happiness. Let's take in that joy. Let's remember that joy because we're going to need it. And we're going to pause here 
Uh, to remind you all, like I said, we're going to let you know the trigger. The episode ends. What are you talking? The episode's over, Wait. Amanda. <laughs> what are you talking about? The episode ended there. I actually have to physically cringe when we talk about this. On a serious note, uh, we need to put the trigger warning right here. Uh, from here for the next couple of minutes, we're going to be talking about the the rape of Mickey Milkovich, and it's going to be intense, and we're very sorry. Um, and if we laugh, it's because we're uncomfortable, and it's really upsetting. Uh, yeah, so that is right here. We're going to start talking about it right now. Um, so it's the next morning. Mickey walks into the living room. He and Ian are both butt naked, and you could see, like, Mick- the bullet wounds on Mickey's ass, and he's holding Benoit beads. And it's a really soft, sweet moment of the two of them. And, like, the, mm-hmm. like it's just, a, like, a morning boyfriend's cute moment. And Ian's like, I gotta get to work, but we can, like, have sex real quick. And... It's so sensual compared to all their other, like, sex quote-unquote scenes because it's more, like, banging, like, right away, do it as fast as you can, like, hard, like, fast. But it's, like, they're very sincere, especially with Mickey, like, injured. They're they're being very gentle and they're taking it slow. Not to get too, like, I'm exaggerating or, like, making up shit, but it's, like, with the inclusion of him being, like, here's a toy that I use on myself would you like to use it on me? It's like, yes, opening up that wall to them, but it's also very much like there's a practical reason for it because he's like, I am physically injured right now. I still am interested in you and would like to have sex with you, but it causes me pain. Do you want to do this instead? Like, instead of just being, we are not fucking at all. It's like, let's fuck in a more intimate way because I am injured. And it's like, they are both smiling and like Mickey has like one of those genuine Mickey smile on his faces and not like a little (sighs) smirk. And so they start to have, Ian's like, I'll take it easy on your, on your injured cheek. And he's like, all right, all right. And And we get, they're so sweet. They like start to have sex and it's quiet for a moment. And then the front door opens and Terry Milkovich comes in and Ian and Mickey freak out and they scramble to put their boxers on and Terry comes in swinging and he pins Ian down and Mickey jumps on his back and screams, get the fuck off of him and wrestles him off of Ian. Um, and then Terry gets Mickey down and beats him. Uh, he beats him in the face. And when Ian tries to run, uh, Terry pulls his gun on him and uh, and points it at Ian I choose to believe Ian was running to get a weapon or running to get help and not just leaving Mickey behind. That's I think I think that's implied as well because it's not even like he's like trying to grab his clothes or anything like that. Like he's literally just trying like, to find the next closest thing to him. He's because you can see him like looking around. Yeah. And like, you know, there's another weapon in this house somewhere. For sure. But Terry pulls his gun on him and stops him from moving. And then he uh, puts the butt of his gun to Mickey's face and knocks him out. He pistol whips him. That, like, pistol whipping, like, that shit can literally kill you. Like, it's- Well, because it's blunt blunt force trauma. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's such an intense, like, blunt force trauma and stuff like that. My- The one thing about this scene that I feel like it's such a raw, very intimate, hard scene to watch, but my one thing, beef with Shameless writers, is the way they pace it. Like- as we mentioned earlier in the episode, the way how they use some effect or whatever, during the scene, they're using that slow motion, like, there's like backwards kind of, back. like, uh-huh. thing. And then there's dubstep music. Like, that just takes me so out See, of it. See, I disagree. Because, like, I think the music in this scene was really effective. Like, I've always really, yeah, really? It, it all, because it, it, like, shook me up. It was, like, un, it was, like, an unsettling moment. It wasn't, like, some stupid, like, clubby thing it was it felt right it It was like it was it felt 
metal. Well, it's like, and it's like, I, I honestly feel like if they hadn't done it, like if they had just played it completely serious, completely straight, and like filmed it that way too, I would have been like, this is too much for me yeah. right now. Yeah. Like this is mm-hmm. a lot. It actually. couldn't. It yeah. couldn't just be the sounds of the fight. Like we needed to have something under it, and probably the yeah. the combination of the slow mo and the way it was shot was also probably trying to like hide some some uh like uh, there's a camera guy in the shot like yeah trying to hide some stuff stunt people Mm -hmm. for the like the hitting and so it's like true i didn't even think about that because like one thing also and like sorry to get off topic but it's like in the bar fight scene from emily you can see the the back pad on cameron when they smash the chair over his back you can see it as he runs to go tackle somebody and so it's like ah when you catch like you won't catch it because it's like, why are you paying attention to that? But then when you do, it ruins yeah. the whole thing. I also want everybody in this scene, like Cameron Knoll and Dennis Cochran in this scene are all like really fantastic. And like, oh, Dennis phenomenal. is amazing. As much as we shit on Terry, it's because Dennis does a really good job making him a villain. Yeah. And I think he is such a sweet old man. Yeah. But yeah. He's just happy. His Instagram is so sweet. Like he's just like, it, that's the one thing that like, we've talked about this before and like there's a character like we hate them so much but that means they're doing their job (laughs) yeah like i'll never be able to watch him in anything else and and not see terry milkovich like every time i see the guy that plays cash i'm like fuck you it's cash even if it's a likable character in the thing that i'm watching that's me with noel every time i see noel i'm like that's mickey every time i see dennis cochran i'm like that's terry and i hate him but like it's because dennis is such a good actor that terry is so terrifying yeah, there's only a handful of actors on this show that I genuinely beef with, and I feel like we already know who they are. Yeah. But, <laughs> so Terry directs Ian to sit down. He's got Mickey knocked out because he pistol whipped him, and he gets on his phone, and we hear... I, re- and I remember in the promo for this episode, it's Terry saying, send over the Russian. And for weeks, when we all saw that in a promo, we were like, or however long it took, when when we first saw that promo, we we're like, is that... Mm-hmm. He's he calling an assassin? He's calling, he's calling a hitman to fucking kill one of them. Like, that was the thought in our heads. So. Oh, yeah. Because it's so vague. That was the purveying theory all over Twitter when that happened. People were like, he's calling, he's calling a fucking hitman. One of them is going to die. And. Well, it would be Mickey because Ian is a main character. (laughs) We were freaked the fuck out for like a long time. So, so what actually happens in this, like, it comes out of left field and is like so jarring. But before we get to it, uh, we go briefly to Sheila and Frank sitting in their assigned parenting classes and they role play a stupid fight. And uh, the only reason for this scene seems like so that they could have a time jump in what's happening with Ian and Mickey. Cause it's, it's literally like a 30 second nothing scene and we go right back to Ian and Mickey. Yeah. Just to have a time jump for Svetlana to get there. I think it's important that they had, because obviously the assassin thing is like whatever, but I think with the themes of like family and what, and like not turning your back on family, like I think it's important that Terry chose to quote unquote, and like the the way I say, I have to be very careful about the way I say this because I know I need to express it the right way. I think it's important and it's telling that they had Terry choose to quote unquote spare Mickey and instead of just straight up killing him. Yeah. Instead of having his father shoot him in the face for for being gay, he tried to quote unquote like rehab him. Yeah. Fix him. He wanted to fix him because he actually on a weird deep fucked up level is like this is my son and I want to change him so that he's like more fitting for me. Yeah. Mhm. 
And yeah, so this woman comes in. We learn later that her name, like, we don't learn anything about her in this episode except for this scene. Uh, It's Isadora Gorester. She's playing Svetlana. We're going to see a lot more of her in the future. Um, Isadora, we love you, Izzy. Do we, um, I'm just curious. Uh, do we, How old was Isadora when she started? In her 20s. In her 20s, I think. 20s yeah, she was, she was young. And I also know that for her audition, she did have to get naked. For oh. her audition. Oh. Yeah. It wasn't even wasn't, like, it wasn't um, even like they were like, oh, so if we sign you on because you're a good actor, are you comfortable with nudity? They were straight up just like, titties out now. That's really upsetting to hear. And she had to do that because in this scene, she walks into the house. She's in a short dress. She looks like she doesn't know what she walked into either. She definitely looked yeah. looking rough. Like that girl is not just any old person. She looks strung out. Yeah. Terry points at Mickey, who is like beat up. His face is swollen and he's just like lying prone on the couch. He can't move. And uh, he points at Mickey and tells her she's going to fuck the gay out of him. And Ian has to watch at gunpoint. And um, I, again, I'd like to commend Cam and Noel in this scene because the subtle facial expressions in this scene are what makes it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Ian and Mickey um, can't take their eyes off of each other until Ian, uh, like Mickey is staring at Ian and Ian is staring at Mickey as Svetlana climbs on top of him. And Ian like looks down and bites at his hand because he can't watch. And you can see the moment in Mickey's face where he like shut where he breaks where he's like i know what i have to do he's like he can't mm-hmm. even look at me anymore um so you can see like the determination he knows that he has to commit because if he doesn't neither of them are getting out of there alive yeah yep because terry's there watching yeah it. so he's like so he it's like sucks because ian is like ian is so after this is so upset with him i can't believe you did that blah 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 i can't believe you're committing to this woman and mickey's like I did this for you. Yeah. I did this to protect you because if I didn't, you would be dead. I wish that we had ever gotten that conversation. I wish we'd ever gotten mm-hmm. that conversation because because yep. this moment is so important of you can see Mickey give up on the like the, all that happiness and all that joy we saw early on, all that connection we had with Ian and Mickey early in this episode. A tether like breaks in this scene and he gives up and he flips Svetlana over and he acts like he's into it and he just tries to get this over with. And it's just, it fucks Yeah, up. because Ian does go to see him later, like in the abandoned buildings, and he's trying to like joke about it. And he's like, I'm just trying to make sure you're okay. And Mickey's like, I can't talk to you. Yeah. Yeah, Mickey doesn't say anything for like two scenes. But it is also like, he's like, I feel like a beacon. Because I'm, I have a target on my back. If if he, if anybody sees me with you, if he sees me with you, you are dead. Yeah. And he is yep. at the end of the day. He's like, I'm trying to protect you by isolating myself. Everything unspoken that comes after with them in this is like fucks me up. The rest of the season is ugh. all right. So we're gonna we're gonna take a deep breath. We're gonna get out of this. And this next scene is why I said at the beginning of this episode, I have a little bit of beef with this episode. Because I I don't like this sexual nature of what's going on with Kevin V and and uh V's mom right up against what just happened with Mickey. Uh, because it yep. is two very different situations. Yes, but it is also like I, I don't know, because like everybody's got like it's basically just the idea of everybody's having sex they don't want to have but it's but it's those are two wildly different things right of course from what's going on it also i feel like people erase a lot that like svetlana was raped too she was yeah by terry like like people 
It doesn't excuse some of her later behavior, but yes. Well, because she's trying to make the best, because I think you do have to look at it from like an immigrant perspective where it is like, she is trying to latch on. There's a level of her trying to protect herself. And then I feel like there's a line that she sometimes does cross of protecting herself and then of acts of violence against Mickey. Like it's. Because it is like, she really doesn't like him that much. Yeah. yeah. So for her to be, so instead of her being like, okay, we're going to play nice when your dad's here. She's like, I want you to commit to me when nobody else is around. And he's like, I can't do it. Yeah. Sorry again that we're talking about future stuff. It's just that this episode <laughs> is everything. But I feel I feel like people erase a lot like Svetlana's trauma too. And they like villainize her in later seasons too, like because of what she did to Kevin V. But it's like, she thought she was doing the right thing. Yeah. But speaking of Kevin V, like, like I said, uh, Kevin V and V's mom are trying to have sex again. And it's like not working and shit's going weird. Um, again, sex that isn't working and then being sexually assaulted to very fucking different things and i i don't like that they're back to back in this episode that's like my one beef with this episode is that there's no separation between it i don't think it's good writing to put two sex scenes right next to each other Mm -hmm. unless they're happening at the same time like like where it's like cutting like an intercut montage Yeah. yeah an intercut montage i don't think it's good writing to put two sex scenes next to each other because it's too similar yeah it's like, why? Then it feels like the whole thing's all about sex. Yeah. Why? Yeah. But now we're at the Gallagher <sighs> house. Uh, Fiona's saying this whole situation is like when a plane goes down. She says, it's never one thing that causes it. It's a chain reaction. What do they call that? Cascading failures. Title drop. It literally drop. is so such a perfect description for this episode. It is cascading failures. Yeah. One bad thing after another. To his credit, Jimmy in this episode is actually really supportive and he's helpful in pulling Fiona out of her stress cycle. And if I didn't know he had just cheated on her, I would be very much pro-Jimmy right now. Uh, But I know he just cheated on her. So back in the parenting classes, Sheila is trying to figure out how she would discipline Karen if Karen ever did come back home. Uh, being very specific in her instructions and the class is not helpful and meanwhile frank is like tweaking he's like i need a valium i need a valium right now like he's he's tweaking out and sheila fights him on it she's like your pee needs to be clean though and but she gives him the valium he gets up and goes over to the refreshment table and takes a piss in a plastic cup and then he takes the valium i hate that sheila still gave it to him she just like wanted him to shut the fuck up (laughs) yeah well he was getting hella annoying about it yeah And then back at Kevin V's house, they are trying again for Kev to fuck V's mom. And they rearrange it all so that V is sitting on Kev's face while her mom rides him. And again, I hate this. I hate this. I hate this scene so much. Back at CPS, Monica and Frank are doing their drug tests. Frank is being really quiet while, while, uh, not Monica and Frank, Sheila and Frank. Uh, but while Monica, while Sheila's trying to pretend to be Monica and she's like trying to make jokes about last time I did a pee test, it was when I was pregnant with Liam and he's not answering uh, because he goes into the bathroom and we find out it's because he had his pee in his mouth so that he could spit it into the cup while doing the test because he's disgusting. And also so it could still be warm. Yep. Yeah. He had his pee Horrifying. in his mouth. I'd rather go to jail than put my pee in my mouth. <laughs> yeah. The next day at the ball house, shit is super awkward. And Fiona comes in. She's like, what? What's happening here? Why? What is this vibe? 
and V tells her what just happened. And there's a great Fiona line. Jesus, V, I'm so wrapped up in my own pity party. I had no idea what kind of biblical shit you had going on here. (laughs) I love that line. It's a great line. And it's a great moment of a best friend going like, hi, I know I'm complaining a lot, but like, could you inform me as to what's happening in your fucking scenario over happening over here? V hates this. She's very much not into it. She's pushing past it. And then we go to Fiona back at the CPS office, checking in with Brittany. She's like, did Frank do all the things? Is everything going all right? And Brittany's like, you've done good, Fiona. You're a great sister. Oh, by the way, let me say that last moment of Ian and Mickey is the last moment we see of them in this episode. We get no fucking follow up, which like bothers me a lot. Nothing else. It just leaves it at such like a sore like point because you're like, what What happened? I'm like, Ian is still at gunpoint in the Milkovich home. Like, like, yeah, and we get no, we get nothing. Um, and especially with him still having to go back to like juvie and shit like that. Like Terry doesn't give a shit. Like if he has any like curfew. Uh, but Fiona asks Brittany, she's like, okay, I have to ask again. How did we end up on DFS's radar? Like who called it in for us? And Brittany's like, oh, it was an anonymous phone call from a man. And Fiona's like, what the fuck? A man? Men never call. Men never give a shit. What the fuck do you mean? Yep. Because she does say like, um, oh, I bet it, she's like, it was an anonymous phone call. And then she goes, oh, I bet it was that bitch who we turned her kid away from, from daycare. And then she's like, mm, it was a man actually, like according yeah. to my notes. And then she's like, oh, what are you talking about? Fiona asks, how is it fair that someone can make one phone call that ruins our lives and they get to be anonymous? Which is a good point. And Brittany seems to agree because she's like you could see like her shift change because she was like you know what you're right (laughs) this was the exact kind of family Brittany needed to have early in her career to learn that the rules Mm -hmm. are bullshit like this is the exact thing that she needed because Brittany's like you know what I have to go to the bathroom I would very much appreciate if you did not play this audio file that's up on my screen right now while I'm gone and she gets up and leaves and like walks away from the computer And so Fiona goes around and clicks the button and she's listening to the message and you slowly hear her, you see her recognize that it's Frank's voice and then you see murder in her eyes. Oh my god, You she looks into a different person. She goes from confusion to recognition to disbelief to disappointment to anger. So like like with no words and it's like, oh my god, Emmy- like I mean, for her Emmy. glossy eyes, glossy eyes and clenched jaw, you're like, oh no, yeah. oh no. <laughs> the more like stone her jaw got, you were like, oh murder. She's got murder on her face. She's going to find Frank and set him on fire. Like it's, ooh, and that's how the episode ends. Like it ends on murder eyes. It ends on that, <laughs> but then it ends to one of Shameless's best end credit songs in the history of the TV show, All You Leave Behind by uh, Hannah Callwright. Oh my god, All You Leave Behind is fucking brilliant. That song, the like, so the way they do a lot of songs at the end of Shameless is that they cut in the middle of the song. Sometimes it's like the scene playing into the song or whatever, but more than not, it's like the middle of the song. But this song, like if you just listen to it on your own, it's so spooky. Like it has such an eerie, like intense feeling to it that it it works so well with that playing right after this scene. And like, I remember watching this scene for the very first time, like back in like high school when I was watching it. And this song, has stuck with me for, like, that whole, like, seven years because it's just so good. Yeah, same. It's still in my playlist. It's just, like, the the impending doom that that, that, that song expresses is mm-hmm. insane. 
And there's no after credit scene because, like, what could you follow up murderize yeah. with? You can't follow. Like they aren't going to add some little jokey scene like they do. <laughs> yeah, not after that episode. Not after not all of that. Time. And I didn't know you guys had such a strong connection to that song. That's that's crazy. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. yeah. There are songs from this show that have stuck with me. Like, I, I can that name. That one in Tongues. Tongues. Um, I think Where the Ocean Is by Shadow Shadow for sure. Sleep Forever by Portugal the Man. Portugal the Man is one of my favorite fucking bands. Dugout Scene. Uh, Basic Instinct by The Acid. Basic I listen Instinct. to that song all the time by myself. And it it's one of those songs that- That song transports me into a different world. You can't be doing anything when you're listening to it. You just have to sit and listen. Sit your ass down and listen. Amanda, I recommend sit down and listen to All You Leave Behind. I will add it. And like- I'll add it to my oh list. Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, so good. Yeah, Where I'm Coming From, Bronze Radio Return, The Ends of the Earth, Lord Huron. There are some- amazing amazing musical moments in this show like i made i made a couple videos on my twitter um where i like put together the scenes with the songs and i was just saying like this song is amazing and it was perfect for this scene and it sucks because we never got we after season seven probably we never got that lena you should do a screenshot of any playlist that you have we could put on the instagram and let people know what spotify playlist to find yeah, for sure. Mm, I can do yeah. I can do like best songs from Shameless because I know there's playlists with like all of the songs, but I picked out the best ones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because it's it's different from like listening to a playlist with all the songs because the vibe shift change will change if you just skip a song. So like it's different. Like I know like your playlist has more of like a flow to it than it's just like every Shameless song that has ever been in the show. Yeah, yeah. but this yeah. this song was really good, and then we get the next week. I my copy had the next week on Shameless. Next week, uh, Fiona's got a lawyer. She's getting the kids. We're going to get an incredible Emmy scene in the next episode. Like, mm-hmm. holy shit. And um, the downfall of Jimmy, too, for him being a little bitch about things. Because immigration yep. is getting suspicious of Jimmy and Estefania. Uh, the Gallaghers try to file a will and a death certificate for Ginger so they can get the house and find out somebody else already has. And then Jaime's dad shows up at Sheila's door. And Fiona goes to court to take away Frank's paternal rights. And it's, it's brilliant. Like that next week, I can't believe Emmy didn't win an award for that scene. It's for sure insane to me. For this, for her work this entire season, she has so many good moments this season. But yeah. Um, Amanda, the scene you're referencing, are you talking about when they're in the courtroom? Oh, yeah. Yeah, when okay. she's telling the story about Ian and the chicken pox. We'll get to oh, that, that but, scene. But yeah, it's a lot. And you, you can see Ian, like, in the back, like, really grappling with it, too, yeah. because he, he was so young, he doesn't remember. Um, But yeah, but, Jimmy being a little bitch, being evil. So, next, like we said, 3B fucks. 3B is really, really oh, good. Yeah. And this is the, like, this episode sets the tone for 3B. Like this last episode and for season four. Yeah. Last episode was the lead up to it. But this episode is like, this is what this season is going to be. This is what next season is going to be. And if it's for reference about how good this episode is and how much it sets up, we've been recording for almost two hours. (laughs) Oh, yeah, we are crazy. (laughs) (laughs) And we collectively have seen every episode like you guys have seen every episode what we've seen through the end of the series. This has always since it aired stand, stood out as our mm-hmm. one of our favorite episodes of all it's time. Been, as it's much as people talk shit episode. on it because it's like so like there are some very evil sinister heinous moments in it because of you know whatever what happens to Mickey but yeah. so they call it like 30666 but it's like if you took that mm-hmm. scene out this episode would still be an absolute standout. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, Everyone's performances are fantastic. Yeah. Obviously, like, drama. So that's how we feel about this. I feel like collectively, that's how we feel about this episode. There's, yep. It's... This episode is not one that someone who is a, like, diehard fan of Shameless can ever, like, forget or skip over or, like, mm-hmm. it's it's just sticks with you. Like, this and Emily are, are like, my two standouts, like, forever and always. But the, Emily's oh. so sad, but I still comfort watch it. It's my comfort That's, episode. It's and, so but good. I, and, like, I cannot believe that the man who directed this directed Emily, directed 506. Like, motherfucker, what are you doing to me? Banger after banger. Banger after banger, Mr. Anthony. They've been my favorites forever, and I didn't know that the same person did all of them. Like, fuck you. That's the fun part about the about the podcast is we get to deep dive onto things like and like who mm-hmm. worked on what and like also just like things that we've learned behind the scenes from like yeah. passing information on and stuff. And it's just like And like wow. learn like in episodes where I'm like, oh cool, the DOP directed this. I am more likely to notice the camera shots in that episode because I know the DOP did it. Like it's Yeah. It's, so and these are our collective feelings. Yes. I don't think we need to break it down any further than that. Cause again, we have been recording for one hour and 45 minutes. I knew this episode was going to be longer than most. Uh, so, so getting out of how dark this episode was, let's, let's just t- um, plug ourselves. Huh? Uh, you can follow the luck we had on Instagram and Twitter at luck. We had pod. You can email us luck. We had pod at gmail.com. We'd love when you guys do that. Please rate review and subscribe the show if you like it if you don't like it then you know you don't have to you don't have to do those things um that's fine keep that to yourself you can follow me at abnormal amanda on twitter at abnormal amanda 18 on instagram at abnormal amanda underscore 18 on tiktok who has been shadow banning me for a fucking week and where can they follow you guys evan go first where they can't follow you lena (laughs) oh okay i will go first um you can find me on instagram at kojak c-o-j-a-c-k-k you can find me on twitter at ders holmvik like from workaholics but the uh, but the L is an I. Fun. Um, and then you can find me at TikTok at F-R-L-E-D-M-A-N. Evan, where can they find you? <laughs> uh, you guys can go ahead and follow me on Instagram and uh, TikTok at I Wanna Die 4000 And then you can go ahead and follow me on Twitter at Internet Life Yo. We really hope you guys enjoyed this extra long episode of 306. We're sorry it couldn't be helped. Uh, it, this is just how it's going to mm-hmm. be. Don't worry. Some of the episodes in later seasons are going to be super fucking short, either because it'll be my first time watching them or because they will simply be bad. We promise the episodes do. Dude, Emily, we are going to record for like three hours straight on yeah. Emily. <laughs> oh, yeah. But that was 306. We did it. I can't believe we got through it. Um, And you guys will be back in two weeks. We are posting every two weeks now. Uh, get ready for the rest of the back half of three season three because it's gonna be fucking epic okay let's let's get the fuck out of here shall we thank you so much yes, for listening should. also because i know our, our listenership has been up so thank you so much it's yes awesome. all right so thank well, you everybody okay. and for now <laughs> goodbye bye goodbye <laughs>